This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. How's everybody on a Thursday? Chris Brown, Maddie Clab in here. Steve off for a couple of days. He'll be back next week. So, Maddie, good to have you in here with us. And uh, plenty of Bills news today right off the mm-hmm. bat. Uh, some roster transactions taking place due to the decision made by veteran NFL linebacker Christian Kirksey. For those that don't remember, he was signed by the Bills to their practice squad at the beginning of the regular season after he was released by the Houston Texans. But today we learned he has made the decision to retire from football. So that created a vacancy, and the Bills brought back a familiar face, Maddie. Yes, A.J. Klein getting brought back to the practice squad. He's a familiar face who's been on this roster. He's a guy who can you can plug and play him if needed, if there's injuries at that linebacker spot. Uh, he's been familiar with Sean McDermott's defense since the Carolina Panthers days. So this goes way back. Yeah, So and this is like his third stint with the Bills. He was here back in 2020 and then got released. He played for a couple other teams, came back last year, finished the season, was here the whole offseason, and then did not make the 53-man roster. And then they signed Kirksey to be on the practice squad, and now he is that veteran replacement there, which is good insurance to always have. And I think everybody's familiar with what A.J. Klein's capabilities are as an NFL linebacker. So if a rash of injuries strikes the linebacker position, they're in position to handle that. Speaking of injuries, why don't we get right to the Bills practice updates presented by LECOM, Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. And the good news is there are some players who did not practice yesterday who got back on the field today, granted in a limited capacity. Terrell Bernard practicing on a limited basis again today. Micah Hyde back, though, from a hamstring ailment, so that's good news. And Leonard Floyd getting some limited work in as well today. Uh, That according to head coach Sean McDermott from his ankle injury. The one to keep an eye on, though, is Dawson Knox. Yeah, Sean McDermott said it's a day-to-day situation. We won't hear from Sean McDermott tomorrow. So he was asked, you know, since we're not going to hear from you tomorrow, do you have any inclination as to if Dawson Knox will practice on Friday, any status of, of his injury designation? And Sean said, you know, we're just, we're just going to see how he does the next couple days, and then we'll make a decision from there. Obviously, with the increase in the usage of two tight end sets, Knox is a pretty important part of this offense, maybe more important than he was in previous years, knowing how much they like to line up with those two tight ends. And I would anticipate in an ideal world that is part of the game plan again this week, not only from a passing game perspective, but from a protection perspective, knowing the type of defensive line, the caliber of defensive line they're going against this week. So that will certainly bear watching over the next couple of days. Jordan Phillips came back from illness, mispracticed yesterday. He is back on the practice field today, so that's good news. And then Jordan Poyer getting a veteran rest day. So uh, he gets the day off today, but for all intents and purposes, should be back out there tomorrow, ready to roll for Sunday. And then there's this, Maddie, a tropical cyclone. Is that what they're calling it? Tropical right, yeah, cyclone. Tropical cyclone. Um, which I always thought they, they're hurricanes in the Western Hemisphere and in the Eastern Hemisphere – They're called typhoons or cyclones. Maybe I don't know enough about weather to have that 
answer correct, but no I always idea. thought there was a differentiation. But so tropical cyclone is new. Usually they just call it a tropical storm, mm-hmm. right? Like, yep. but I guess because it's not a hurricane system that got downgraded to a tropical storm, I don't know if it's as severe as one of those. The bottom line is this it's supposed to dra- drop three to six inches in the Washington, D.C. metro area between today and Saturday. And then the weather, the rain is supposed to stop before kickoff on Sunday. But there could be wet conditions there. I mean, they can tarp the field and protect it that way. But three to six inches, that's a ton of rain. Like, yeah. Now, the good news is this. So I called one of uh, my Washington reporter contacts down there, um, John Kime from ESPN.com. He was kind enough to get back to me because I said, hey, I remember drainage issues with that field in the past. What's, what's the deal now? And he relayed to me that two years ago, they put in a new drainage system at FedEx Field. I think it's still called FedEx Field, right? Mm-hmm. And, yes. Um, and so the drainage is significantly better than it used to be because there used to be a lot of standing water, more on the sidelines than on the actual field. But they've had some, like, monsoon-looking conditions on that field when it rains hard. So that's good to hear that the conditions should be okay. He also said it's been very dry in the Washington Metro D.C. area. So the ground is dry. You hope it can take on the amount of rain they're going to get. Because I I asked Coach today when he addressed the media, you know, do you have contingency plans in place in terms of game plan? Like, you know, you may have all these plans, and then if it's it's a slip and slide field, things change dramatically, (laughs) and you got to have something in your back pocket to turn to. So it sounds like they're going to wait a little bit to see exactly what the storm brings. But as he said, He's one of those people that tends to overpack uh, for trips. So I would imagine in terms of preparation, he will overprepare, as is usually uh, the case with him. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye on the weather the next few days to see just how bad it gets down there. Because that thing's supposed to come right up the coast. Mm-hmm. And it's going to impact three a, NFL yeah, games this week. A weekend. few games. I think Jets-Patriots is supposed to – they Jets, might get Patriots. rain during the game. Baltimore's on, on, game against the Colts, That's too. right. That was the other one. But I think Jets-Patriots, which is being played in, in New England, I think, mm-hmm. uh, they may get rain during the game. Now, that's a turf field, so you would hope that drains relatively well and they're no worse for wear. But that, that could make for some very interesting highlights up there on Sunday, for sure. And a lot of people think, oh, you know, bad weather, the score will be down. Actually, more often than not, the score goes up. Because the offensive players know where they're going. The defensive players have to react to them, and they usually look like they're on roller skates if it's a really bad field. And it is grass in Washington. So, I don't know. I'm just curious about that. It may, it may amount to nothing. You know, if they have the thing tarped and it drains well, it may not mean anything. But when, once I saw Tropical Cyclone, it got my attention. Yeah, this team has had their fair share of weather games in the past few years. So, <laughs> we know they'll prepare they're for it. They're usually relocating. And they'll, they'll be ready for it. Hopefully, it doesn't put a damper on their game plan yeah. too much. The team's usually relocating for weather rather yeah, than gosh. Um, playing in the weather. But, yes, you're right. Um, so we've got, you know, Washington on tap here. And the more I watch, and I didn't know if I could be more impressed, but that defensive front, to me, that's the matchup of, of this game, Maddie. Like, they've got to make sure they've got that blocked up. And we were talking to Dan Orlovsky earlier in the week from ESPN, and he was of the opinion that you got to just double team in the run game. And 
Um, two tight end sets would be wise, you know, just to help in the protection, chipping with a back, kind of like the Bills did last week. It's, it's kind of interesting because I don't know if you consider the Raiders' defense the caliber of Washington's, but the same kind of approach I think would be a pretty good idea. You know, some, some double-team blocking in the run game, um, short to intermediate passing game, so Josh is not under duress all the time. I really think a lot of their game plan last week would make a lot of sense this week. Yeah, and that's where the two tight end sets come into play, like you said. I mean, uh, this team is running two tight end sets, 12 personnel, um, at a higher rate than most of the other teams in the NFL so far to start the season. Um, So you would think that if Dawson Knox can't go, you would see quite a bit of involvement from Quentin Morris in the game, who um, is a familiar face to this team and and has had times um, the last couple years in games and things like that. But this defensive front of the Washington Commanders, they're so impressive because they, they can generate immense pressure with just four guys because the four guys that are rushing the passer are big and strong and explosive and we heard uh, Josh Allen talk about that yesterday and they're coming off of a game last week where they had seven sacks on Russell Wilson he faced quite a bit of pressure in the pocket but the Broncos were in the game for for much of the game. It was twenty one to it was twenty one to three, yeah. and then the Commanders started to come back. So this is a team, Commanders being on offense at least with Sam Howell, they've been able to come back in in the fourth quarter in both games to start this season. But their defense, I think, is a big reason why the the offense of the Commanders has has had that opportunity to win both games at the end of the game. Yeah, Howell's been sneaky good. And I think has more arm strength than he's given credit for. He's a little bit smaller in stature. He's six foot two, uh, which is probably one of the main reasons he was a fifth round draft choice instead of a higher one because he didn't have prototype size for the position. But um, he certainly has an arm for it, man. I mean, his his ball location on downfield throws is really impressive. And we know that the Bills' defense is one that does not give up a lot of big plays by by rule almost, um, but he's going to test this defense if he has time to throw. And, and I'm just impressed with, for a first-year starter, Matty, how aggressive he has been. through the. And granted, it's a small sample size. It's two games. But he has a lot of faith in his arm strength, and he will put it in a tight window believing he can get it there. So I'm, I'm hoping he makes some decisions like that and – the guys on the back end are wise to it and can make a play on the ball and maybe get some turnovers early. Yeah, I think when you watch his his film, and I, I just watched the Broncos game back this morning against the Commanders, and he had three plays of over 20 yards mm-hmm. to guys and, and had a huge one to Terry McLaurin and then Bates as well. Um, but his confidence shows up to me on film when you when you watch him for, like you said, a, a guy not having too many starts under his belt. He goes in there and doesn't look afraid at all in yeah. the pocket and is able to get the ball out and is able to see the field well. Um, but we know how Sean McDermott and his defense are against starters who, who don't have too much starting experience. Um, his, his play against – his defense's play against – Rookie quarterbacks is incredible, and we found this stat from uh, NFL. 
because they were able to provide us with some stuff. And against quarterbacks who have five or less starts, Sean McDermott has a great record and has forced, I think, 16 interceptions in like seven games. So uh, his defense is always prepared when they're going up against yeah. quarterbacks who don't have too much starting experience since 2017. The seven quarterbacks that he's gone against, two of them being Washington, um, former Washington commander quarterbacks, They've only combined for three passing touchdowns, six inter- 16 interceptions, and have allowed a passer rating of 49.4. So that's a pretty incredible stat there by Sean McDermott and his defense when they're going up against quarterbacks uh, in their first five career starts. Yeah, I mean, and the Bills have not blitzed at a high level by any means through the first two games. They've largely relied on their front four with some mixed results, I guess we would say, but they're 29th in the league in blitz rate right now through two games. They don't blitz a lot. Now they are, they are showing pressure pre-snap, but then often guys are dropping out and it is just the four rushers. It's not always the same four guys. It's not always four defensive linemen. Sometimes they'll trigger, you know, Jordan Poyer or Taron Johnson off the edge and drop a lineman out just to cover the short zones. Um, I wonder if that changes this week. I wonder if Coach McDermott maybe dials up some pressures, you know, through the course of the game just to kind of throw some different things at what is, to your point, a relatively inexperienced NFL quarterback. It is Thursday, which means we need to remind you today is the day we are here for you as a public service for the football relationship hotline. Pepsi is the official soft drink of the Buffalo Bills and also is the presenter of the Football Relationship Hotline. If you haven't heard of it before, it's quite simply this. When we get to football season, it's priority number one. (laughs) And often in our lives, things get in the way of our top priority. So we invite you, if you have a dilemma with your football watching habits, your football game attending habits, if they are being compromised by your significant other, your life, your job, We are here to help you. We have solutions to work around some of the things that get in the way of what your top priority should be this time of year, which, as we know, is football. So if you have a dilemma that you're facing, we had, uh, I think it was Kelly or Carol last week, her sister-in-law scheduled her kid's six-year-old birthday party at 1 p.m. for week four against the Dolphins. Mm -hmm. 1 p.m. on a Sunday tough so how do you work around that that's one example of that we had another person who had a significant other that doesn't really care for football so that is always a rub I remember last year we had somebody who is married to a Patriots fan Mm. yeah I mean there are (laughs) there are some workarounds you really gotta come up with something clever inventive or otherwise we're here to help 803-0550-1888-550-2550 You have problems with your football. We have answers. The Football Relationship Hotline is open for you, presented by Pepsi, the official soft drink of the Buffalo Bills. So we have open lines for you if you have problems that you think we can help you with. Uh, We also need to go around the NFL, Maddie, presented by Collider Health, the official health care system of the Buffalo Bills. There was a trade yesterday, late in the day. Cam Akers, a running back who... I think we knew as early as last year had fallen out of favor with the Rams. Comes back to the team this offseason, makes the roster, plays, 
but then is subsequently traded to the Minnesota Vikings. And it's a trade that wasn't all that dissimilar, Matty, from the Boogie Basham trade. There is an exchange of late-round picks along with Cam Akers, who goes to the Vikings, as the Vikings need a boatload of help to run the football. <laughs> Do you think they're missing Dalvin Cook a little bit? Whew. Yeah. They can't run the ball. Um, this is, I think this is actually a good landing spot for Cam Akers. He only has one year left on his contract, but he's, he's worked with Coach O'Donnell before, or Coach O'Connell before, because O'Connell comes from Sean McVay's staff in L.A. So he's walking in the door with a head coach that is very familiar with what he brings to the table. So that has to be at least somewhat reassuring going forward. And it's a run game that is struggling. So I think he's going to get every opportunity to play along with Alexander Madison there in that Minnesota backfield. Yeah, and you look at a guy like Cam Akers who is, who is younger, and, and maybe this guy just needs time on task. Maybe he needs an opportunity to get in there and go. Didn't start the season. I know it was just one game, but off on the best foot with the Rams, um, just having 29 rushing yards off 22 attempts. That's pretty low average there. And uh, I know a lot of people have him on fantasy teams. He's, he's on, I think, two of my fantasy teams. So I'm hoping Ooh. that he gets some opportunities yeah. with his, knee te- his new team and starts to see the field a little bit sometimes more. People just need a ch- sometimes these players just need a change of scenery, and then all of a sudden you know, they're the productive player that mm-hmm. everybody thought they could be. So hopefully that's the case for Cam Akers. Devontae Adams. Openly criticizing Bill's safety Taylor Rapp for the hit he put on him late in the game last week. I there was a part of me that thought Taylor Rapp was going for the ball. The problem was he was late um, to where the ball wound up and gave Devonte Adams a shot. He had to go get examined for a concussion in the locker room. Um, I I, ha- I have a bad feeling that Taylor Rapp's going to get a fine for that. Um, the league has been cracking down hard on players with unnecessary roughness the last the first couple of weeks of the season. I mean, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I've seen like a dozen fines each of the last two weeks, and I unfortunately think Taylor Rapp's going to be on that list too. Yeah, Devontae Adams called the hit unnecessary. Um, obviously, he said it was obvious that it was unnecessary. Um, you know, it's both sides of the ball. It's hard to, to pull away from, from a tackle, from an opportunity to mm-hmm. to – Put your team in in the right way and, and give them back the ball, but you got to be careful. And then I, I feel bad for your dad, Maddie. He's got to be shaking his head yeah. after what went down in Chicago yesterday. Not only did Justin Fields misspeak, we, we thought his his speaking out of turn was bad. It got worse after that. But basically, we were talking yesterday about how Justin Fields when asked why he's playing so robotically, had a one-word answer and said coaching, then came back out 20 minutes later when the stuff hit the fan on social media about his comment and said, I didn't mean to blame coaching. It's on me. I've got to be better, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, I mean, the tube, the toothpaste was out of the tube already there. It was kind of hard to walk that back, but he did his best. I give him credit for coming out and trying to set the record straight. I will give him credit for that. But that got trumped. Because their defensive coordinator, Alan Williams, abruptly resigned yesterday. And there was all this talk about the FBI being involved and being interested in Alan Williams. And there were erroneous reports that Hallis Hall got raided yesterday. It was a wacky day for the Chicago Bears. I mean, holy crow. But Matt Eberflus, who's the head coach, and 
is a defensive coach by trade. He came up through the ranks as a defensive coordinator, is going to act as defensive <clears throat> coordinator for the Bears this week. I, I got to – what do you think Tremaine Edmonds is thinking? He's played two games and he's lost his defensive coordinator. I know. It's tough. And I feel for Bears fans who came into this season so excited to see what their team could do with the moves that they made in the offseason with Justin Fields having another year under his belt, having some weapons out there to throw to, and – it just hasn't started off the yeah. way that Bears fans have wanted it to. And I, I really feel for them. That's where I was born and raised. Uh, grew up watching the Bears and cheering for the Bears. My family's big Bears fans. I love the Bills. But it's tough. It's tough to hear, you know, so much excitement. You go into a season with, with a lot of hopes, high hopes, and not even high hopes to make the playoffs, but like high hopes to, be to maybe be 500, yeah, to be, be competitive. competitive. Yeah. And it just has not. Especially with Rodgers out of the so division far. now, you're thinking yeah. better things, but hopefully it turns a little bit better for them going forward. As we said, uh, that's around the NFL, presented by Collider Health. As we said, today is Thursday. That means the football relationship hotline is open for you. Any problem you have with your football life, you let us know, and we will try to come up with a solution for you. 803-0550, the number to get on board. You can also hit us up on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live if you don't have time to call. But let's go to the phones. Dave and Clarence is leading us off today. What do you got for us, Dave? Brownie, I think this one is for you. Uh, you've been to London before, right? That's correct, yeah. Good, good. Uh, I'm going uh, for the game on uh, October 8th, and I want your uh, most things to do while in London, one, and then most things not to do while in London. And uh, the second question is for Maddie. Uh, what's the relationship between you and uh, Diggs, uh, Maddie? Okay, we're not going to worry about that. What we are going to worry about is London, and I can tell you, you want to do the London Eye, so that is that big Ferris wheel right in the middle of town, right on the River Thames, and that is awesome, um, especially at night when they light it up, so I would recommend doing that. It's just kind of a way to get a view of the entire city, so that's good, and then I would say if you can get in a football, a, a European football game, a soccer game, I would highly recommend that just for the experience alone. Tickets are hard to come by for the English Premier League, but the next league down from that is the championship, and you can pretty easily get into one of those games, and the tickets are far more affordable. I actually did that the last time I was there. I went to a Queens Park Rangers game uh, with my wife and kids, and it was awesome because these stadiums are literally in neighborhoods. Like, you just put them right in there, because they were built in, like, the 1800s, some of these stadiums. They're old. <laughs> They're not like NFL stadiums. But you, you take the train, you get off the train, you walk two blocks, and boom, you're in this stadium, and it's like there's houses, people coming out of their homes, sitting on their front porches. The stadium's across the street. It's really unique and kind of cool. Um, and even if you don't have a rooting interest, it's just something that I would highly recommend for an experience. Game days – and I, I'm not going to pretend to know this because when we were there, we were at Wembley, not at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium where the Bills game is this year. But I would imagine there are a whole number of pubs around the stadium. And so tailgating isn't a thing there for English soccer fans or for English American football fans. They're in the pubs right around in close proximity to the stadium. 
So if you want to tailgate, that's how they do it over there. They're in the pubs. So just try to scout out a couple of good pubs that you can hit there and have that serve as your tailgating experience. The other thing I'm going to tell you is the food over there is not great. So you're better off going to authentic ethnic restaurants. And what I mean by that is go to an Italian restaurant where the people that run the restaurant are from Italy and they're just restaurateurs in England because outside of fish and chips, which is good over there, the, the offerings are average, <laughs> I'm just going to say. So do what you can to find ethnic restaurants because your, your dining experience will be better on the whole, unless you're getting fish and chips with a beer. If you're doing that, you can do that at just about any mm -hmm. pub in England, but those are some of the recommendations, I would say. And then, you know, you got the Tower Bridge, which is famous. It's a landmark. You take pictures. Everybody does that. There are a whole bunch of things. but Changing of the guard, all that Yes, stuff. exactly. Changing of the guards. another one. Um, and then if you want to tour Buckingham Palace, you probably got to do something like that in advance. But they have a whole host of tours over there. And there's a lot of NFL events that they stage during the course of the week as well. So if you just keep your eye open on that, or you can just do – I think you can do NFL.UK, if I remember right, and they'll probably have a whole listing of events that you can do too. So – Plenty to, do, plenty to do there. I mean, it is a ma it's not just a major city. It's a major world city. I mean, we're not talking about, you know, some nice city in Europe. I mean, it's a world city. They've hosted Olympics. It's big time. So you'll have plenty to do over there if you're going over early enough. I should have asked him how early he was going. But, um, yeah, so hopefully that helps you and points you in the right direction. The, the problem for us, Maddie, was we were not in London proper. We were all the way out in Watford, which is like 40 minutes out of town, and I think that's going to be the case again this year. And I think that's kind of done by design to kind of keep the players focused on football and not being tourists, <laughs> which I, you know, I get it. Yep, yep. Um, so I think that's how it's going to work again this time around. Uh, I saw this story, too. Quick, one little addition to make for around the NFL. Loren Duvernay-Tardif, uh, a Canadian native Canadian, who's an NFL lineman. If you remember during co the COVID pandemic, mm -hmm. he left football kind of on a sabbatical, I guess, because he also has a medical degree. He's a doctor and felt that football suddenly wasn't as important as trying to help as a doctor. So he kind of left football, went into medicine full time to try to help with the pandemic, which is a noble decision to make, uh, trying to make a difference there, which carries far more weight than trying to entertain people playing football. And he has officially now retired from the NFL. So it is full bore medicine, and that will be his career field going forward. So congratulations to him. I mean, first of all, to balance, <laughs> for a little while anyway, an NFL career and a medical career, I mean, wow. And then the decision he made, I thought, was was a pretty noble one. You talk, want to talk about somebody that's for the greater good. I don't know if you can do better than Loren Duvernay-Tardif, uh, who was a lineman for the Chiefs for a while. Uh, I think he did some long snapping, too. But, man, sharp as a tack, and congratulations to him. I just That's worth mentioning, I think. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Spent a year with the Jets as well, and, yeah, good for you.
Yeah. So we are going to take a break here. You also know what Thursday means. Ultimate fantasy lineup. And set to help us when we return will be ESPN's NFL analyst and fantasy football guru, One Field Yates, joining us with his week three edition of the Ultimate Fantasy lineup when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collada Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, back here on a Thursday on One Bills Live, Chris Brown, Matty Gleb with you, and joining us with the Ultimate Fantasy lineup, here in week three is none other than ESPN, NFL analyst, fantasy football guru. You know him. You love him. It's Field Yates and the Ultimate Fantasy lineup presented by FanDuel, an official partner of the Buffalo Bills. Download the app today and make every moment more. Field, how the heck are you? I'm doing great, Brownie. Maddie, hope you guys are doing well as well. I am in Connecticut, so not too far from where you guys are. But it officially feels a little bit like fall down here, which to me is the kind of weather that football should be played in. So I hope the same is yeah. taking place right now up there in Buffalo. It's it's supposed to be 75 today. It's actually it a really nice day. Practice. So we might be squeezing out oh. one more day of yeah. summer here, um, and then it might turn after that. You guys are going to be – you guys could be getting wet on Sunday for – Jets Patriots right with that tropical cyclone coming up the coast yeah it's looking pretty gnarly up here in uh, <laughs> the New England region so uh, my wife and uh, my older daughter are set to go visit grandma are starting to wonder whether they need to change their plans and figure out something else to do because uh, that rain is no joke it does look like we're headed for a, a wet Sunday down there in New Jersey as well so for two offenses that are really struggling the elements are not going to do them any favors down there between two teams that certainly need to win in a big way on Sunday. All right, well, let's kick off the lineup this week. And one guy who's throwing it all over the place, in part because they can't run the football, and maybe that changes now with Cam Akers in the fold, but uh, this is kind of an easy pick as far as I'm concerned, knowing how much they are throwing the football coming out of the gate this season. That's right. It's Kirk Cousins, and they play at home, so you don't have to worry about the weather, whether it's September or January, that beautiful indoor stadium there in Minneapolis. But he's been red hot to start the season, carved up the Eagles last Thursday night. Now he plays a Chargers defense that, if you guys have any idea where this Chargers defense has gone, please let me know because they have been absolutely brutal for so far through the first two weeks of the season the offense is far from the issue in L.A. Just they can't stop anything right now on defense. Don't expect that to change. The Vikings obviously haven't been great themselves on defense, so this one could be a legitimate shootout, which would be in line with how every Chargers game has gone so far this season. Mm. There's been some injuries already in the NFL, one of those at the running back position, and Jerome Ford is an interesting candidate to start in this week's lineup. He's had a good going so far to start this season, 142 rushing yards, so why is he an interesting candidate here? Yeah, Maddie. for those that uh, that don't hang with us every single week and don't recall that uh, these lineups, uh, the pricing is set Monday before Monday night football begins. So Jerome Ford priced at $5,600 
That number was established prior to the Nick Chubb injury, that gruesome, brutal injury on Monday night. So you're getting kind of a discount here relative to how I think FanDuel would have priced Jerome Ford normally and will continue to price him in week four and beyond. A really talented player, as we saw on Monday night. Uh, The big question mark for the Cleveland Browns this weekend is that that Titans run defense is perhaps the best in the NFL. So the price was too good to ignore here for Jerome Ford, but I don't know that this is going to be a monster effort for him. If you grabbed him in your season long fantasy league and he has a slow start as your starting running back, don't be deterred because I think there's a chance that he turns things around in a major way in week four and beyond. Yeah. Okay. And while you went bargain basement there at the one running back position, you spent a little bit larger, shall we say, at the other one. Yeah. Tony Pollard has been excellent for the Cowboys the first two weeks of the season. They've been excellent on defense. Uh, and that really is the story of their year so far. But uh, Pollard pushing for 19 fantasy points per game so far, involved in the passing game, of course, a college wide receiver. You've probably heard that one a million times over, but a very talented guy. And this Cowboys passing offense hasn't really had to do a whole lot this year. This could be the weekend that they get on track against an overwhelmed and undermanned Arizona defense, but wouldn't surprise me if this is a game in which Dallas is playing with the lead early and it's a Tony Pollard show throughout the rest of the game. So $9,400 is a big number, obviously, for any player, but Pollard is worth it in this case. Zay Flowers is a rookie wide receiver who we talked a lot about before he came into the NFL, and he's gotten some good opportunities already with the Ravens. I think we're going to see that definitely continue. Why do you think he's a, a good option for that price? Yeah, I'll give you guys two rookies for the price of one here coming up is Zay Flowers. You mentioned him, Maddie, who has 15 targets in his first two games. That included 10 in his very first game back in week one. And this Ravens offense, I thought, looked much more like what we expected it to be during the preseason in week two. It was not a perfect start in week one. This team is 2-0 and now, uh, and they are atop that AFC North division that we think could be pretty competitive this season, but they play the Colts this upcoming weekend. The game is down in Baltimore. Indianapolis does not have much in the way of cornerback depth. So I think that Zay Flowers will be a busy man. And we talk often about stacking in fantasy football. I want as much of this Minnesota LA game as I can get. So I've got Jordan Addison, another first round pick taken right after Zay Flowers, uh, who also should be in lineups this weekend. He scored a touchdown in each of his first two games. At some point, that streak will come to an end. But he's playing a lot of snaps. The Vikings play a ton of three receiver sets. And if this game goes as expected, there's going to be fantasy points for everybody. Addison has really passed the eyeball test. And when you have Justin Jefferson on your team, you should not expect to ever be the primary point of a defense's focus. So I think that Addison will continue to benefit from being that number two or number three guy who's not Justin Jefferson for that Minnesota offense. I guess. Okay. So I guess we should not be surprised that you dip right back into that game with your last receiver. Yeah, Mike Williams, who's been pretty busy so far this year, priced at 7200 bucks. His volume's been steady. He's averaging just 10.7 yards per catch is Mike Williams, which is actually the second lowest number of his career. The lowest was all the way back as a rookie. So for much of his career, he's been this big play vertical threat down the field, but lesser volume and more boom bust nature to him. It's been a bit more consistent out of the gate so far. But Brownie, as you said, as much of this game as I can get as possible is a good thing. So I think that uh, that Vikings defense will not prove much of a match for Keenan Allen 
or Mike Williams. And at least to this point, Quinton Johnston, the first round pick for the Chargers, has been no threat to those two wide receivers. He has hardly produced in the box score, at least. So it's still the Mike Williams and Keenan Allen show through the air. It'll be that even more so if Austin Eckler is unavailable. He did not practice on Wednesday and missed last week because of a week one ankle injury. Your cheapest offensive weapon comes at tight end in a Dallas tight end. Jake Ferguson, why is he a good option here? Yeah, Ferguson's been playing a lot. The Cowboys just haven't had to throw the ball all that much because they've been beating the just doors off of teams so far. I mean, the Jets last week by 21, the Giants the week before by 40 points. I mean, it's amazing. This Cowboys defense allowing five points per game. The only touchdown was a 68-yard score last week on a play that didn't seem like it was going to be a breakaway threat by Garrett Wilson, but Ferguson's been playing a lot. And, you know, we've been kind of wondering what the Cowboys plans were to replace Dalton Schultz. They had multiple options. Ferguson was one of them. They used a second round pick on Luke Schoonmaker from Michigan this year. They had Peyton Hendershot in the, uh, on the depth chart as well. It's been the Jake Ferguson show and he's probably benefited from being around because Schoonmaker was out for much of training camp due to injuries. So nice to see that Ferguson's kind of grabbed the hold of that tight end one spot in Dallas and at 5,000 bucks, pretty favorable price as well. All right. So your flex player field, this was a player that people were super high on at the start of the year. Then they were yeah. disappointed that he wasn't utilized a lot, but now with the injury to David Montgomery, I got to imagine it's all systems go here. Yeah, we sure hope so for Jameer Gibbs, 12th overall pick. So this game on Sunday is going to have the two-star running backs from the first round of this year's draft, B. John Robinson and, of course, Jameer Gibbs, uh, 8th and 12th overall. How great has B. John Robinson been, by the way? He is just spectacular for the Falcons. But Jameer Gibbs has a chance to be a really good player for the Lions as well. You think about what he's done so far in a pretty limited role but still, he's one of the top seven running backs in terms of receptions, receiving yards so far. He's going to be a busy player on Sunday. And what you're kind of hoping for is that he still gets maybe a half a, half a dozen or so targets, but maybe 10 or 12 or 15 carries. Uh, I'm sure you guys saw the Lions in week one against the Chiefs. It was pretty obvious he was the most explosive player on that offense. I thought that carried over to their game last week against the Seahawks. This guy can scoot. He can fly. We're hoping for a much more prominent role, and it looks like David Montgomery won't be available. If that's the case, it should be a big day for Jameer Gibbs. The Chiefs will face the Bears on Sunday at 425, and the uh. Bears scored 20 points in their first <laughs> game, 17 points in their second game. They've been in the news quite a bit lately. Why do you yeah. think the Chiefs could really trounce on the Chicago Bears this weekend defensively? Yeah. Yeah, this is one where I'm actually paying up a little bit on defense. You guys will often hear me say I'm sort of just punting on defense, but very chalky play here in daily fantasy as the Chiefs defense can apply pressure. Having Chris Jones back last week certainly made a big difference. And the Chiefs are all of a sudden kind of a defensive team. I mean, they barely lost in week one to the Lions, but they were in that game because their defense made critical stops in the second quarter and beyond. And then last week they went 17 to nine over the Jaguars kind of stonewalled them. So uh, the chiefs defense looks like it's going to be the real deal this year. And the bears on top of some of the things that you referenced, Maddie, with all the question marks right now with that roster, Justin Fields, not playing at a high level, 
They placed their starting left tackle, Braxton Jones, on IR yesterday. So this is a team that's got much more questions than answers along the offensive line. Sort of feels like the perfect storm for the Chiefs defense to kind of just take this game over early. I'll be really curious to see how the Bears respond because uh, I don't know that this is necessarily rock bottom this week, but it's been an ugly week for the Chicago Bears. You hope for their purposes that they can uh, muster up, sort of take all this energy and, and internalize it and rather than use it as reason to feel bad for itself, maybe turn it into motivation to play a competitive game on Sunday. But going to the champ's house is not going to be an easy task. I think the Chiefs defense has its way on right. Sunday afternoon. All right, Field, so quickly, uh, Bill's commanders, it looks like the weather is going to move out of that area by Sunday down mm-hmm. in D.C., so that's good. But Sam Howell, sneaky good, man. Uh, sneaky yeah, good for a first-year starter. Yeah. Just uh, – how do you kind of see this one shaking out a little bit? There's some tough matchups there for the Bills O-line, we know, but what do you see? Sure. Yeah, that, that offensive line for the Bills might be the key because uh, I don't know that any team has more invested at a position group than the commanders do along the defensive line. If you're not a first-round pick and probably not taken in the first 15 picks, uh, I don't think you're allowed to enter the meeting room during the week because there's so few of those players that fit that criteria between Chase Young and Deron Payne and Montez Sweat and John Allen. I mean, guys who are all awesome players that were taken within the first 14, 15 selections. So it's going to be a good test for the Bills offensive line. Sam Howell's got a confidence about him that I think is pretty obvious. Not afraid to make some big-time throws. Might result in some errors, but uh, he plays with sort of a, a blind confidence that you have to kind of respect for a young quarterback, it'll be a good test. Uh, I thought the commanders were uh, much less sharp in week one. They were in week two, uh, but you can count on this. It's going to be a raucous atmosphere. The uh, vibes are certainly high right now in D.C. with the new ownership group in place. I think Sunday, though, is a good litmus test for the commanders. How real are they? I think the Bills go down there, take care of business, uh, but the commanders trying to figure out whether they're a real contender for the playoffs in the NFC. I think Sunday will reveal just how real they actually are. All right, Field. Thanks very much for the time. We appreciate it. The ultimate fantasy lineup for week three. We'll catch up with you with week four as we look forward to your installment for that lineup next week. Take care, guys. Always good to see you. Maddie did a great job replacing Steve for the day. Well done. (laughs) Thank you, Field. Stay dry this weekend, Field. Stay dry up there. I'll do my best. Yeah. Yeah. If anybody has a poncho, send it my way. Yeah. All right. That's Field Yates joining us from ESPN with the Ultimate Fantasy Lineup, presented by FanDuel, an official partner of the Buffalo Bills. Download the app today and make every moment more. Maddie and I have to take a break here when we come back. Some queries from the Football Relationship Hotline. Maddie and I will do our best to provide some answers to those dilemmas when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Ticketmaster is the presenting sponsor of the Buffalo Bills 2023 season. Ticketmaster, the official ticket marketplace of the NFL Time to get to the tweet sheet for the football relationship hotline. Your football viewing habits are priority number one. They should not be compromised. You have something getting in the way of that, you let us know, and we'll come up with a solution. Alan asks, I need a little help here. Listening now to One Bills Live, located in the northeast corner of New York State, and I want to listen to Brownie and the crew on the broadcast on my phone. Odyssey app does not play the game broadcast on my phone where I live. Any help on where to find the radio broadcast, it would be appreciated. So I do know one option for you. 
although you would have to pay to do it, and that is to go to the NFL Plus. Mm -hmm. So you can look up NFL Plus on your browser online, and what NFL Plus carries live every Sunday or game day whenever your team is playing is both the home and away broadcast. So if you're a Washington Commanders fan, you can play the home radio broadcast, or if you are a Bills fan living outside the western New York area where you can't pull it in on the flagship station, WGR, or you're not near a station on the Bills radio network, you can listen to the away radio broadcast, which is us this week. So NFL Plus is an option for you. There are others, but I actually, my wife actually used that just this past week. She went down to visit our son at Georgia, went to a Georgia football game, and then as she was moving through the airport flying back here on Sunday, she listened to Bill's Raiders, the radio broadcast, through the NFL Plus account. So she said it worked really well on her phone. It was funny. <laughs> there were no TVs in the airport. She's waiting for her flight, no TVs in the airport showing football, which is insane, especially for an airport as large as Atlanta. Hmm, yeah. And she said, suddenly I had a half a dozen Bills fans around me <laughs> listening along with me. Um, so that is an option for you. So hopefully... That works. You've I would also say try TuneIn is a radio app. I'm not sure if it would work oh, for okay. all NFL games, but that's how I used to get college football games on radio that weren't on TV that I wanted to watch. Oh, cool. I think you now have to pay for it, so maybe it's not worth it, but check on a TuneIn radio app as well. Okay, that's a good tip. I didn't know that one. Yeah. Uh, Mike says, what if your wife wants date night during Thursday night football? Basically, she likes the Bills games, but not other teams. Any thoughts? Mm. Uh, I've got a couple of answers here. Number one, you know that Thursday night football really doesn't kick off until about 8.15 or 8.20. So one option is to go to like a 5 o'clock dinner um, or an early movie or whatever is on the agenda for the night. So you can at least kind of wrap things up by 8-ish. I know that that might not always work for a significant other who kind of wants the night for you two and you two alone where you're not off doing other pursuits. The other option is to pick another night. Like, hey, isn't Friday night more exciting? You know, you want to, I, I think you want to divert Thursday night to Friday night. That's probably your best bet because I, and maybe you can go with this approach. You say, look, I agree, hon. We should have a date night every week. I'm all for it. If we do this on Thursday night, I'm worried I'm going to be a little distracted by Thursday night football. I might be checking my I phone. I want to focus on you. And I don't want to upset you, you know, glancing down at my phone, checking my fantasy roster, all this stuff. Why don't we do Friday night? I just think it would be a better night overall for us. There's more people out. It's better atmosphere. I think that's how you have to sell that. You have to sell it from the standpoint of, Relationship means a lot to me. Friday, undivided, 100% attention. I don't want to be glancing at my phone, checking my fantasy roster when I should be focused on you. I don't know. Does, would you think that would fly? I think that could fly. One other idea I have is if you like to cook or if you uh, are a good cook, you could do date night at home on Thursday night and you could cook dinner for your wife right. and maybe get her some flowers or something okay. and some compensation there and then you could you two could sit and watch the beginning of Thursday night football together. Right. And she you said she's not a fan of football besides just Bills games. So that does that can get tricky. Um, 
But I think I think that's a good staying mm-hmm. in is one option. I think your best bet long term might be to find lobby for another night. Like if Thursday night football is that important to you, you're going to have to lobby for another night. Otherwise, you're going to have to make the Thursday night sacrifice so long as you get Monday night and Sunday in return. Um, if you're getting two out of the three days of the week, you're doing pretty well. Um, good luck. <laughs> good luck with that one, Mike. Uh, Andrew says, I have a dilemma. So the October 8th game at 930 in the morning in London is a Sunday. I hate morning games like this because I go to church at 915. What should I do? Skip church or watch the game or watch the game at church? Oh, boy, don't do that. Laugh out loud. Please, God, forgive me. What would you do? All right, Andrew, this is a simple one here. You got to go to another church service. Like a lot, I don't know what your denomination is, but there are a lot of church services that are Saturday afternoon, four, four in the afternoon, six p.m., and then on Sundays, obviously the later services don't work because the, the game's still going. But I do know that there are some services that start as early as eight thirty a.m. Like they'll have an eight thirty and a ten. So you may not be able to attend church at your particular parish that weekend. But if you want to work around, I mean, you're going to have to seek God out in another location and uh, hit another church, perhaps, with an earlier service time. I mean, worse comes to worse, go to a 9 o'clock Mass, you'll be out of there by 9.45, mm-hmm. like 10. You're only missing, like, what, half of the first quarter? Yeah, you'll be okay. Or if your church streams, you can always watch the service back the next day. Even, That's what I. Or done you before. could watch watch the live stream with one eye. Yeah. And you know have the game on mute with have the, the game other. Game on mute. Put the game on mute there. So you know have your laptop open if your parish streams their service. Do it remote. Sound up. Participate in church service and then have the game on mute over there. See, look at this. Look at these solutions. That's a good one, Maddie. Streaming it. I mm-hmm. like that idea. Very well done. All right, just some of the solutions we have here. On the Football Relationship Hotline, if you have any others, you let us know. 803-0550-1888-550-2550. We have to break here because when we return, hour number two is going to begin with Commander's radio color analyst and former Bills linebacker, London Fletcher. Going to fill us in on that Washington Commander's Club. A surprising 2-0 next here on One Bills Live. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, welcome to hour number two here on a Thursday. Chris Brown, Maddie Glab with you here on One Bills Live, and pleased to be joined now by the radio color analyst for the Washington Commanders and a face you know very, very well, former Bills linebacker London Fletcher joining us here on the show. Fletch, how you been? How's it going down there in D.C.? Oh, it's great. Great times being 2-0 and for the first time since 2011. We're excited about the the game we have this weekend against the Buffalo Bills. You know, it's a, a sold-out stadium. 
it should be a fun game. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, we're looking forward to it as well. I mean, the Washington Commanders have one heck of a defensive line. What have you seen out of their front so far, and why are they able to pressure that quarterback at such a high rate? Well, first and foremost, they have some really talented players. Four out of the, the four defensive uh, starters on that line were all former first-round draft picks. Last weekend, Chase Young made his season debut, and he really had an impact on the game against the Broncos. Deron, uh, Deron Payne and, and Jonathan Allen and Montez Sweat, they haven't missed a beat from, from a season ago. Both uh, Payne and Allen were were Pro Bowl defensive tackles a season ago. And these guys are just playing at, at an extremely high level. They they do a great job of playing off each other, too. They run their games. They're they're selfless. And it really, you know, put a lot – they put a lot of pressure on your offensive line in terms of who are you going to slide protection to? You, you, you can't double every everybody, so that's that's a, an issue. And then a lot of times we'll play – they'll play five defense alignment in the game, and that's going to create one-on-one matchups for everybody across the board. Okay, so a little 50 front. That's interesting. Um, what yeah. do you – what do you make of the progression of Sam Howell? He seems to be on somewhat of a fast track here, playing confidently, playing aggressively. Um, is he walking the line pretty well from, because there's a fine line between aggressive and reckless London, but he's got confidence right now for a young player. What, what have you seen through two games? Yeah, no, Sam, Sam's not a, a reckless type of football player. You know, first game he threw, he threw a bad interception. He got, kind of, the ball got hit. Uh, tipped as he was letting it go but for the most part he's not out there just taking shots and and throwing into you know putting the ball in places that he necessarily shouldn't shouldn't put the ball into but what I like about uh about Sam is his demeanor the, his poise in the pocket he's you know week in and week out he continues to get better you saw and we've seen a great improvement from him this offseason and just his command his leadership his understanding of the offense you know, he he has a strong arm and he has the ability to make a lot of nice throws like that that throw down the sideline in a, between a cover against a cover two corner and the safety. And he has athleticism. He can run, he can make plays, he he has a natural instinct. So almost like um like Josh uh, Josh Allen. He's not as big as Josh, but he can make plays with his legs. I mean, he had four passes of over 20 yards against the Broncos in week two, and it was fun to watch him spread the needle to guys like Terry McLaurin. What is it about that connection, him and Terry McLaurin, that just makes sense? Well, first, you know, Terry Terry's a, a great young receiver, not known nationally, um, part of that, uh, not known as, as well nationally as a, as his his play skills would dictate and determine, you know, part of that is, He's had so many different start, starting quarterbacks, but he's had three consecutive thousand-yard seasons. With Terry, he's great at making the 50-50 catches, adjusting to deep balls. He has great speed. And with those guys, there's just a trust in the chemistry with them that you know has developed over over the uh, offseason. And and not with just Terry, we got it. We got some uh, other playmakers. Jahan Dotson, a second-year player out of Penn State, he he only had three catches against the Broncos, but the ball was spread around a lot to a lot of different receivers. He's a, he's a guy that can, can make a lot of plays. Curtis Samuel, he's another guy who can make, make some plays. We've got some tight ends who, who are also weapons in the passing game and our, and our running backs. 
They're also a threat out of the backfield, too. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Brian Robinson because he's a load, 6'1", 225, but he has uncommon athleticism for a player that size. Um, but he's he's lowering the shoulder the last couple of weeks, and he's getting in the end zone. What? How how effective have the commanders been running in the red zone where, you know, I, I don't need to tell you, it's tougher for offenses to do that with everything packed in so tight. Has he been pretty productive down there? He has, and especially his past game against the the Denver Broncos. With B. Rob, it's a, it's a situation where you know get the ball to him. The more you can get the ball to him, the 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 better he gets. The stronger he gets. You mentioned his size is six one, two hundred thirty pounds. He's more like six. He's more like six two, uh, two hundred thirty pounds. But he also has his ability to what I call make himself skinny. And that sounds kind of you know like man, how can a guy that that size get skinny? But he has the ability to get through small creases and, and really get through holes that that a guy back that big shouldn't be able to get through. But he has great feet, great vision, and you see the body lean that he runs with for a big back. He reminds me a lot of a guy like Edron James, who always had that forward lean as he was, you know, taking on on defenders, and you know, you rarely see him get knocked backwards because he runs behind his pass and and he's a load to tackle him. He as the game gets gets going, the more they give him the ball, he can wear wear defense out. And he he's definitely someone that you have to be um you know cust accounted uh, for both as a runner and also a receiver to utilize anymore in the in a passing game this year too. Now when you look at this matchup, this week three matchup between two talented teams, the Bills are one and one, the commanders two and no, what do you think the commanders are gonna have to do? What do you think has to go right for them going up against a team that has an explosive offense with Josh Allen in a defense that knows how to shut opposing offenses down? Yeah, you know, you you look you look at uh at Buffalo and, and what they've been able to accomplish since Josh has, you know, been the starting quarterback there, big physical guy. And really over the last, what, four, three, four seasons, that offense has really, you know, been the, the best in the National Football League at scoring. You got to eliminate the explosives. That's that's first and foremost. Uh, we gave up some explosives in the in the passing game last week against the, the Broncos. I'm sure Buffalo, their, their offensive coach, they'll see that and say, hey, maybe there's some opportunities for us to, to get some explosive plays. Um, you know, it's not let Josh – kind of beat you with his legs and that's that's easier said than done because he's he has that knack to extend plays whether he's trying to buy where he's buying time you know to to five receivers down the field or he can hurt you when he decides to run the football so that's going to be something you have to be cognizant of and defensively or offensively you know be efficient with the football be able to be able to um, take care of it not not have the, the turnovers and things like that but um just do what you've done, Sam, in terms of get the ball to to your playmakers. I'm sure they'll they'll look to run the ball a little bit. Although Buffalo was was very stout in uh, stopping the run against the 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 Oakland or Las Vegas Raiders, I should say, last week. So it's a tough it's a tough matchup. They're extremely well coached. What Sean McDermott has been able to do with that football team, you can't help but take your hat off to to the team that he has and and why they're one of the elite teams in the National Football Football League. You you mentioned London that. You know, they don't want Josh beating them with their legs. I believe it's Jamin Davis, the outside linebacker, who's used as the spy when they decide to deploy one more often than not. Do you think we could see a little Jamin Davis spy action this week? Or, I mean, because Josh hasn't run a ton the first two weeks. I mean, it's yeah. not like he's doing I, it as much as he has in the past. I'm not sure. I, you know, 
that they're going to look to do a whole lot of that. It just situations you kind of prepare for everything, but I'm not sure that that that's necessarily you know will be a big part of the game plan. Maybe you know when you when you when you assign somebody to spy a quarterback, then you you know taking one less guy out of coverage right. and things like that. So you know Jack Del Rio, the defensive coordinator, he does a great job of you know coming up with schemes and and that staff they do a great job of coming up with different different game plans to try to neutralize offenses in general. Well, understanding what their strengths are as an offense and what their weaknesses are as an offense. So from there, you come up with a game plan and you have to be willing to uh, adjust and adapt based on how the game is going. So, you know, I'm sure they'll have multiple plans in place, but you, you, Jamin is, um, you know, he's a really good cover guy too. So, and, and James Cook out of the backfield is a problem. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta kind of figure out ways to, um, you know, look at all the weapons and how you're going to neutralize those weapons that Buffalo has on offense in general. And they got two really good tight ends, got good receivers. So it's a it's a it's a major challenge for our defense. When you look at the commander's start to the season, is there anything that hasn't gotten enough attention that you think should that has that has led to the success this team has had so far? You know, defense has lived up to its billing in both the games. First and foremost, the first game against the Arizona Cardinals, they they really uh, keyed that victory. Montez Sweat had had a couple t- turnovers, uh, sacks, and, and and forced fumbles that that really helped help win that ball game. And, and then last week they really um, made some plays to after we got down twenty one three to get back in that ball game. I think the the reputation of Sam Howell is starting to kind of um, spread around the country and understanding what his talents are. And things like that. I think maybe the play calling of Eric Bieniemy hasn't gotten as much attention as attention as as it deserves because he called an outstanding football game against the uh, the Denver Broncos. Just some timely play calling and and really um you know spreading the football around and some creativity. So I, I would say probably the the play calling of Eric Bieniemy hasn't gotten as um, as much attention as as it should as it should have. Last one I've got for you, London, uh, ownership. Obviously, with the new ownership, I'm I'm curious, like how much has the vibe and the enthusiasm and the positive energy for the franchise gone up? Because that's kind of what we see from the 10,000 feet, you know, 10,000 mile away view. I'm curious, being down there and embedded in it, what is the energy like from the fan base and everything with the ownership change? Yeah, yeah the view that you see from 10,000 feet – is the view that is uh you know right right in the at ten feet away or, or however you want however close you are to the situation the the fan base has has definitely be, have come back there's been more fans reengaged um, there was a a sense of you know fans not necessarily supporting the the team in years past under the, uh, the pre- previous ownership and I'm happy for the current players because now they're able to get that type of support. You're having a, 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 a fans that are coming to our ball games now. There's, like I said, two sellouts in, in a row, and I know some of those will be Bills fans, and I know you know Bills Mafia will be in the building. So <laughs> yeah, I, know, I, I know those fans travel well, and, I, and, and you know, but just the excitement. There's hope for the um, for the, the the community, the fan base, the players, the the morale around the the building is better. The just the energy of everything is a lot better. So. There's a, a a great sense of just hope and and enjoyment and 
uh, and thinking about the possibilities of what can happen under under the new leadership group. And those guys have been great. I mean, they 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 know how to own uh, sports teams. Uh, Mr. Harris, he's owned he owns the Philadelphia 76ers, owns the New Jersey Devils. They 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 have a vision and, and they know how to do it. They've already done some things at the stadium to improve the fan experience. So it's been a it's been a lot of positive that that things that, that have happened with under the new ownership group. All right, Fletch. Well, listen, thanks very much for the time. Uh, I'll try to catch up with you on Sunday and just say hello. Good to see you. And thanks for the time. Yeah, I, I catch I catch you in the E Wood. That's E-wood right. On the games. <laughs> you know, I as a now that I call the games on the radio, anytime I'm in my car and if I get a chance, I'm listening to to the broadcast. And I actually caught your call the game after um last week's last year's Cincinnati game with, with DeMar Hamlin and the opening kickoff was taken back. Yeah, yeah. And I and I caught and I and I caught that game on the radio. We had a I think we had a later game, and I was driving to the stadium, and I, I heard I was like, man, what a what a call by you, and I, <laughs> and uh, you know that was that was a phenomenal, a phenomenal call, and just uh just wanted to give you uh your your just on that. I appreciate and, uh, that, Fletch. It. I appreciate yeah. that. I'm sure you're killing it on your end of things too, but uh, yeah, look forward to catching up with you in the booth there on Sunday. All right, looking forward to seeing you. All right, that's London Fletcher joining us here, uh, giving us the four one one on the Washington Commanders and. I get the sense, Maddie, that they feel like this is a measuring stick game for them. Like, hey, we beat the Arizona Cardinals. Nobody's really thinking too much of them this year. We beat a Broncos team that's got a new head coach and is trying to find its way a little bit. But if we get a win over the Bills, people might start taking us a little bit more seriously. I think they're thinking that because then they'll be three, they would be 3-0 and at that point. And every team has those measuring stick games to start the season before you really know a team's identity, before you know the team's true colors. And, and it happens within those, I would say, the first six weeks of the season where you have some of those games and you're like, all right, let's see how we match up against this team. We respect the heck out of these guys because they've been in the playoffs year after year after year. This is a Super Bowl caliber roster, so let's see if we can hang with them. And he talked about Eric Bieniemy's offense and that not giving getting enough attention um, that it deserves. And the Bills against Eric Bieniemy's offense when he was at the Chiefs They've done a good job against the Buffalo Bills under Sean McDermott in the Sean McDermott era, um, averaging almost 30 points a game. I know it's a different team with the commanders, different quarterback, different players, but you wonder what an offensive coordinator is going to do and is going to call against a team that he's seen quite a few times and and is familiar with. Yeah, he, he knows what this defense is about, having played it each of the last few years with the Chiefs and Bills. Uh, meeting up so many times over the last three or four seasons. And then on top of that, I think the best thing he's done is he's given Sam Howell the confidence that he can execute. And we saw him do that, and maybe to a lesser extent, because you know Andy Reid does a lot of the play calling in Kansas City. He did that even when Biennemi was there, although sometimes it vacillated back and forth, was they gave Patrick Mahomes, as a young quarterback, a lot of easy completions that were built into the offensive scheme and all indications are he's doing the same thing with a first-year starter in Sam Howell. He's giving him a lot of those easy completions, especially early in games, to get him in a rhythm, and it's obviously impacted Howell's confidence. And 
There's a lot of RPOs in that offense, which is something he ran a ton of at North Carolina all through college. So that's familiar to him as well. So you understand why even though he's a very young player, he's playing with an enormous amount of confidence. And oh, by the way, he's got a former first-round pick in Jahan Dotson, a former second-round pick in Curtis Samuel, and a former third-round pick in Terry McLaurin at the wide receiver positions. So it's not like he doesn't have talent around him also. So I think you roll it all together, and it's like, well, I guess it kind of makes sense that Sam Howell's having a little bit of success here early. Now, he's going against a veteran defense coming up this weekend, and maybe they have some surprises for him and can force him into some ill-advised decisions, but so far, so good for Howell. He's been impressive. I, I Just watching some of the highlights from last week's game against Denver, mm-hmm. like I was telling you earlier, like, just where he is, he puts a ball in a place where only his guy can get it. Even yeah. if there's tight coverage, his ball placement on downfield throws is is impressive. It's not Aaron Rodgers impressive, who's the most accurate quarterback I've ever seen in my life, but it's in that vein for a young quarterback to be throwing that accurately, you know, 30, 40 yards down the field. It's It's been impressive to watch uh, from a young guy that we really didn't know, as London even said, a whole lot about. He's not a household name in this league, but... He's working his way to that with the way he's played the first yeah, couple of weeks. I think it's impressive because he makes it look easy for a younger quarterback, and he had three completions of over 30 yards against the Broncos in week two. I'm interested to see how our defensive line gets after him because he's been sacked 10 times, which is the second most out of any other quarterback in the NFL. So knowing that tied for the second most, I should say. Um, There's other quarterbacks who have also been sacked 10 times to start the season. Knowing what our defensive line has done so far, they've been able to bring some pressure. I want to see what that looks like against Washington. Yeah, I would say if there is a part of Washington's team, I don't want to say they're weak, but maybe not as gifted and talented as some other areas of their club, it's their offensive line. And the other thing I would say is, Their secondary is certainly talented, but it's young and inexperienced to some degree. And so can you take advantage of the inexperience on the back end defensively? And can your D-line get home to kind of fluster Sam Howell, which through the first two weeks, even though he has been sacked, Mm -hmm. he doesn't get flustered by that. It's easier said than done to kind of get him off his game. So hopefully the Bills D-line can really kind of get home because they didn't I don't think they had any sacks last week. They had three in week one. I don't think they had any last week. So No, I don't think they, they had any last week, but they brought they brought pressure on, on some plays. Because I remember, you know, watching the game back and, you know, thinking, okay, they did a really good job of getting pressure, but didn't the necessarily hands and passing yeah, lanes. getting the hands up, but not necessarily getting the quarterback down. Yeah. So hopefully the Bills D-line is in better shape for that. Leonard Floyd's health will obviously be a factor in that equation for sure. And that's why we kind of eagerly anticipate how the Thursday injury report plays out a little bit later this afternoon. Usually comes out around 3.30 or so after we're off the air, but it's certainly going to be something to keep an eye on. You're hoping Leonard Floyd kind of trends in the right direction towards Sunday so he is available because he's a pretty important part uh, of that pass rush, especially in the absence of Von Miller for this week and next week at the very least. Uh, We are going to take a break here. When we come back, we'll get to some more questions on the football relationship hotline to answer. And there's a couple of news and notes around the league worth passing along to you as well, including one on Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow. All of that coming up next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. 
right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Matty Glab. We'll get you out to the post-practice podium here shortly as practice has wrapped up and players will be addressing the media. We'll bring their comments to you as soon as we are able. We've got one more question, though, from the uh, football relationship hotline here, Matty. This one's from Jarrett. It says, good to hear you on the radio, Matty. I have a dilemma. Don't have a minute to call, but can listen. I am part of a volunteer historical group, and they plan to display this Sunday during a local apple harvest festival. What should I do to keep tabs on the game? So I'm assuming he is one of the volunteers that has to attend. Once again, we can turn to the apps on your phone. And if you have the NFL app and you paid for live games through NFL Plus, you can actually watch the game on your phone. If you just want it in your back pocket to listen, the aforementioned NFL Plus subscription Mm -hmm. works. Although the Odyssey app, if you're in the Buffalo area, should work work here. Um, And if you have trouble with the Odyssey app, which can be a little finicky sometimes, you can go to the Bills app and pull it up there. Um, It's kind of the same way to pull it up, but you're kind of rerouting your phone. Um, And sometimes that works more effectively pulling in the Odyssey app. So that's how you can kind of keep tabs on the game as it's happening, listening live. Since it's local, too, I mean, that Apple Harvest Festival sounds like so much fun. Since it's local, you would think maybe they would have it on a TV if there is a TV. Or, yeah, like... I'm dreaming here. Yeah, like if you're at whatever farm it is... Like, hey guys, tell them, hey, turn on the game somewhere. You know, put the radio, like, just put the radio on and blast it over your PA system, maybe. You know, you could do that. Um, But yeah, your phone is your, that's your sure bet. Yeah. Just make sure you have your phone with you and you can listen to the game that way. So good luck with that. Uh, That's 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 an easy fix there, as far as I know. Other people will be in the same boat too. So you'll have friends you can figure out how to listen to or watch oh, the yeah, game with, definitely. I'm sure. So thanks for all those questions uh, on the Football Relationship Hotline. We are here to serve every Thursday, 1 to 3. And as we told you, Football Relationship Hotline is brought to you by Pepsi, the official soft drink of the Buffalo Bills. Practice is in the books. And as we understand, Mitch Morse is addressing the media. He's first up at the post-practice podium. So let's go there now to listen to the Bills Center. Defensive line, who have all not only been drafted high, but have played at a very high level. You know, who've gotten their uh, gotten their foot in the door and then excelled when their foot's in the door. So for us, it'll be just a, a tremendous battle, as it is every week. But I mean, not only do these guys compete, but they have the skill set of uh, you know some they're they're elite football players, and we're going to have to bring our A game to compete in a hostile environment come Sunday. You said it's a battle as it is every week. Is this year different in terms of, does it seem different in the schedule-wise as, as far as facing real elite defensive lines? I mean, you're going to find D linemen on every team that uh, are tremendous football players. People ask me who's the hardest guy to play against is, and I say the guy who's in front of me. I mean, it's just this league. Um, that being said, you know, it's you know it does seem like these you know, there's a few weeks this year where we're just going against some studs, so uh, we'll have to come and match that competitive edge. Mitch has 
there's reports that it might be kind of rainy this weekend. What challenge, if any, does wet turf or grass kind of pose to those offensive uh, I think ball security for me, first and foremost, you know, that is the name of the game in this league. You look at turnover margin, nothing dictates the game more than that. Um, yeah, I think for like the way the game is going to flow, that's really dictated on game day. You know, you can speculate what it's going to be, but you really can't know until you get out there and see what's going on. It does make for, uh, you know, mistakes are amplified and uh, footing becomes a thing. So, you know, it potentially if it rains and stuff, we'll have to make sure that we're, we're all wearing the right stuff to uh, not set ourselves up for failure before we even get started. Especially if it rains, running the ball becomes that much more important. What do you guys have to carry over from your performance against Las Vegas against a strong defensive front? Yeah, I think if you, any week you want that you want to have success in the run game, it has to come down to execution and communication. Um, the communication first and foremost, understanding the game plan, and then uh, you know just being able to ride the ebbs and flows of not only a, play, a, a game but a play, right? So uh, these the, these D linemen do a very good job of having a first move, reading runner pass, and then countering with a second move that is that, that's pretty unique uh, for this team. They, they do a very good job of it. So for us, it'll just be um, staying engaged and, and just kind of competing. I think that's what the run game comes down to. What does it do for you to have running backs that bring different skill sets the way that your crew does and presents a challenge for the other team? Uh, you know, we, we are very fortunate to have the three guys we do. I mean, just even like Latavius, right? Like, I'm, you know, to see him do this for this long and the the stuff you guys don't see is the dedication he's got. And then you got Damian, who is just, a, uh, I've been seeing him play against us for four years, beating, the, you know, really taking advantage of us. And, uh, and then he comes here and you realize why he's so successful, which is that fiery competitive edge and he's just a good teammate. And, and then James Cook, I, not only has he got the intangibles as a football player, but uh, he really understands the game and understands how to run the football and understands how to take on tackles. So uh, we, we are very fortunate as an offensive line to have guys that make us look a lot better than we are at times. Mitch, what is just the continual benefit for a guy like Osiris to see so many good defensive fronts and kind of just continually getting tossed in the fire with the way he's been Yeah, you don't grow more as a football player than you do your rookie year. Um, and I think you did kind of allude to the fact that your rookie year is inherently a baptism by fire. Um, you know, not only through training camp, but then you have weeks where you play just absolute studs. So for him, he's he's learning a lot as a football player, and even these first few weeks, you see him growing. And uh, you know, for I think the big thing for him will be understanding that this is a long season. There will be ebbs and flows, and how you feel, and, and just mentally and physically on and off the field. So kind of finding a way to not ride the wave and uh, come in as as poised and, and uh, as ready to work as you can throughout the weeks and understand how to take care of your body as the year progresses. What have you noticed about the other guy next to you and Connor? We talk a lot about uh, Osiris, but Connor's quietly seems like he's done a good job as well. <clears throat> Connor is a, uh, is a professional. I mean, takes care of himself off the field. Um, I think one thing about Connor is he takes coaching real well. You know, I don't, the system I've said in the past was not something that he was used to. Uh, Coach Kramer's techniques was something that was quite quite honestly polar opposite of what he had been doing before. So 
Uh, he's embraced that. He's understood that, and he's come in and competed with uh, ferociousness, and, and uh, it's just been really cool to see. The guys are we're, we're, we understand we have a long way to go to be where we want to be, but we're taking steps in the right direction, um, and that is pretty cool. All right, appreciate. One, oh, one one yeah. Sorry, we were there you go. Set up just in general, their front. I know you probably asked about it early on. But yeah. Like, what is it about them that makes them so difficult? Um. Well, I mean, not only are, physically are they dominant football players. That you know, they they know how to play the game. They understand what an offense is trying to do. They're great at reading your block and and then going into their secondary moves. Uh, excellent with their hands. Um, I'm speaking for the interior guy as well as the ex, you know the outside guys who are just you know physically imposing big dudes who use power. And then when they're you know they're going to go power power, then they might change it up on you if you're sitting on that bull rush all day. So um, they have the full gambit of moves and they do it very well. Each one has their own spice, but uh, you know they they're just extraordinary football players who who gel well together and play well together and it'll be up to us to come out and compete Thank you. yeah thanks guys All right, so that's uh, mitch morris addressing the media after practice today naturally a lot of questions about that washington defensive line i'll get to that in a second i'm more interested in what he had to say about the running back contingent for the bills mm -hmm. the fact that james cook not only is a talented player but you heard Mitch say knows how to run the ball, knows how to work through tacklers when, you know, contact is engaged. Um, it's interesting because it sounds to me like a veteran player like Mitch Morse respects Cook's game because it's a game that's that you would expect to you would expect that skill set from a five or a six year veteran, not a second year player. And it seems like Cook's Football IQ is very high, higher than maybe even some of his teammates anticipated after seeing him as much as they have through the first two weeks. Yeah, I mean, the the running backs had like 180 rushing yards against the Raiders. Josh Allen mm -hmm. had seven rushing yards against the Raiders, and I, I think that's what you want to see going forward this season. I mean, it was it was great to see that out of James Cook, and it was great to see Damian Harris have a, have a couple big runs. And Latavius Murray looked so strong in there. He looked like he could knock over anybody. And to see the three of them kind of work together uh, down in, down out, hey, we're going to use this you for this this down because it makes sense here and 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 James just did you're really seeing the confidence that he has this year watching him in the second half of that game against the Raiders it was obvious to see wow you have grown quite a bit um, from year one to year two and and to hear Mitch Morse talk about the respect that he has for a player like James Cook um, and how he runs the football if this run game can do this consistently, oh, my gosh. We're yeah. in for something special. Well, yeah, and I, I was particularly interested in what Mitch was saying there about Damian Harris, like the fire in the belly and the energy that he brings. Like there is there's something to be said. Like everybody gets up for a game when game day comes. You have an emotional investment that you have to bring to the table as a professional football player when you're playing this game because if you don't bring it, it's going to get brought to you by the opponent and you're going to be on the wrong end of the game when it's over. So you have to have that emotional investment. And sometimes, some weeks are harder than others for guys to get up 
all the way. Like maybe their body doesn't feel 100% right and they're playing through it and maybe that energy level isn't there. A guy like Damian Harris can get guys pumped up to 100 if maybe they're hanging around at 85 mm-hmm. just before kickoff just by his own uh, enthusiasm. So it was kind of good. You, you kind of got a feel for how the dynamics of the running back room work a little bit from Mitch. And then what he had to say about the defensive front four for Washington. I mean, it goes without saying they're uber talented, but I think the biggest problem and Eric Wood, who's on the radio broadcast with me has said this before, because he's played against Jonathan Allen before he retired Jonathan Allen is a handful, so is Deron Payne, who got his big bag of money this offseason, four years, $90 million. Those two guys have played together for five years in the NFL. They were also college teammates at Alabama. So playing off one another with the stunts and the twists and all that stuff, it just comes naturally to them because they've played alongside each other for almost a decade. So it's just it just kind of happens for them where they can really cross up the interior of an offensive line. And really, Maddie, when you think about it, yes, week one was a test, but now here we are two weeks later and we hear all the time about how offensive lines kind of steadily improve their play as a collective unit as the season goes on. You've got two new guards getting acclimated to this group. You would hope by, you know, week five or six, they really kind of hit their stride and things are just kind of rolling from there. I think they're still in that growth stage, at least how Mitch described it. This is a pretty stiff test for those three guys on the interior. Yeah, I was going to say, I think this game is a great test for the offensive line to see where they're at. We talked about this being a measuring stick game for the Washington Commanders to see where they're at. I think this is going to be a great game for the offensive line of the Bills to see where they're they're at going up against an incredible defensive line with some new faces on this offensive line this year. Sure, you probably don't have your identity figured out yet in week three. There's there's room to grow, room to build, um, ways to get better. But to have a test like this on tape in week three and be able to go through the film after this game as a group and kind of um, dissect it and get into it, I think is is hopefully going to be really good for this team going forward to yeah. be able to say, hey, this is how we did against this defensive line. Here's where we need to grow. Here's where we need to improve. Or maybe it's we did a great job against an amazing defensive line. We're, we're in a great position here to start the season. I mean, the reason they made the investment in the guard position was because they knew they were going to be facing defensive fronts like this this season, whether it's the Jets, Washington, Dallas, Philadelphia. The tests are littered throughout the Bills' schedule this season. So having bigger, beefier, stronger guards on their offensive front was of paramount importance. They're in place now, and they're still growing together. Let's see what kind of performance they can put up this weekend. We take a break here, but we'll have that Joe Burrow update for you when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collada Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, so we told you there was an update on Joe Burrow. Their uh, radio broadcaster, Dan Horde, uh, tweeted out that Joe Burrow was in uniform at practice today for the Bengals but did not do much during the open media viewing portion of practice. Now, we should mention that the Bengals do have, and Burrow specifically, 
has an extra day to get ready for their week three game because they're playing on Monday night when they host the Rams in Cincinnati. For those that don't remember, Burrow re-aggravated the calf injury that kept him out for the entire preseason in last week's game. So <laughs> they're 0-2, they need a win, and their quarterback is dinged up. That is a tough spot to be in. But it is a long season, and the Bengals started 0-2 last year and won the division. They did. I would argue that Cleveland looks better. Pittsburgh is probably slightly better than they were last year. And the Ravens look really good out of the shoot here with their new offense. Uh, Lamar looks like a different quarterback throwing the ball around. Josh Allen leads the league in completion percentage. Lamar is second at 74.5%. Josh is at about 77%. So... Uh, something tells me the Ravens, as long as Lamar can finish the season, which he hasn't been able to do each of the last two years, I think Baltimore is going to be battling for that division title this year. I think so, too. We're in a league where uh, everybody auto-drafted this year. Brownie, the league that we're in with with a bunch of people in the radio broadcast team. That's right. And my team auto-drafted Lamar Jackson, and I'm, I'm so happy about it because he's put up points the first couple of weeks. Yeah, I got Josh in the auto-draft there, so I, I got to think twice. I may just auto-draft forever. I know. Um, this is a bragging rights league. We don't <laughs> win anything, really, no. but you'd be surprised how far bragging rights go. There is an update from ESPN's Adam Schefter on Burrow because Zach Taylor has addressed, addressed the media. He said, Joe Burrow will not practice fully if he even practices at all due to his lingering calf injury, and it will continue to be a day-to-day -day situation as to whether the quarterback can play Monday night against the Rams so still very very iffy and their backup quarterback Maddie is Jake Browning who has zero NFL starts Whew. in his pro career and just one pass attempt which happened last week when he had to come in for Joe at All the right. end of the game we'll see how it goes in Cincy that's it for us today OBL fan mailbag tomorrow we'll see you at one